0: This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates' Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson welcome to jail bible study international my name is kevin mccarthy i'm excited to share some great great verses from the bible today and you know one of the things that really hit me when i was became a christian several years ago is a verse in hebrews that says the word of god is living active and sharper than a two-edged sword piercing to the heart and to the marrow now, let's think about that it's living we know the Word of God, which is inspired by God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, is living. It's as alive today as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was walking. And that's something we have to accept by faith, that the Word of God, it's true. It's active, meaning what happened back then applies to us now. A lot of people will say, well, I don't know, they, they were thinking it was a little bit different back then. But then the word sharper than a two-edged sword comes to comes to play. When I think of sharper than a two-edged sword, I think of the Ten Commandments, which were given thousands of years ago, which are as appropriate today as they were three and a half thousand years ago. The Ten Commandments are our standard, and they used to be our country and our society's standard. The Ten Commandments used to reside in all the public buildings, the schools, courthouses, all the tax offices and for the most part was seen and was accepted and it seems like when we got away from those commandments which were taken down in the 60s by some atheist organizations that's where trouble and the slide started to spin. So it divides, it goes right into our heart and when we go over one of the commandments such as thou shall not commit adultery it makes us think because Jesus said that adultery comes from the heart and in the mind. So those of you that are dabbing with with pornography and such, it's a sin and it cuts right to the heart, divides. So today's main message is going to be the bread of life. One of my favorite verses, and let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we will start at verse 20. But let me give a little introduction to this wonderful verse. The bread of life. Now, let's think about uh, back 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked. People did not have, they didn't have Domino's Pizza, they didn't have microwaves, they didn't have drive throughs And so they had to live from the earth. So they would eat some sheep, they would eat some goat, maybe even a steer or a cattle or a cow on a special occasion. That was a real special occasion. But they had gardens, they live off the gardens with vegetables and olive trees, and they would have goat cheese from the goats and every day they would well they would harvest the wheat, grind the wheat grain, and have a large large uh, barrel of flour which they would use for the daily bread and the bread was 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 kind of life for them; they could live on bread and they could live on uh, some meat very sparingly, and fish too so when Jesus says I am the bread of life where he who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty so this particular verse and this particular story is preceded by an incredible miracle that Jesus had just done and it's one of my favorites Jesus if we go back in chapter 6 and I encourage all of you to go back a few verses And read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, if we look at that from a numerical standpoint, it's much more than 5,000. For in that day, the men were counted. So if we count 5,000 men and 5,000 women, and then we add to it the children, and most families probably had at least three or four children, so we're looking at upwards of 25,000 people that Jesus would feed from five loaves of bread and two fishes. So that is an incredible story on its own, which hopefully we will do in the next few weeks. But the people had came there. They had followed Jesus to this valley because he had done incredible miracles. He healed people who were lame, that couldn't walk. He brought eyesight to people who were blind, people who couldn't hear, people with pains and aches. He restored so they all found Jesus coming to this incredible hillside where he fed them. And he preached to them. And he preached the word of God. So interestingly enough, of these 25,000, 30,000 people, not everyone was born again. Not everyone was saved. Not everyone put their trust and faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Okay? Some are still asking for a miraculous sign. To help them believe that he was who he claimed to be. So imagine this. He fed all these people created fish, created created loaves of bread. In just half hour time, they were distributed through all the masses. And he'd done all these miracles. And yet the people still asked for a sign. That's kind of like people today. They want a sign. They want this incredible healing of cancer. They want someone who is... Uh, a bad hip with arthritis to walk again. They want to see someone that's born with a birth defect to not have that again. And so Jesus had already, he's already given his incredible miracles back 2,000 years ago. So that's where we have to put our faith in the Bible, the word of God. And I'm going to read this, these passages. A couple of other things. The people at that time brought up the manna that Moses and the forefathers had eaten in the wilderness. Now, this ties into last week. If you recall, I spoke about um, Moses. We spoke about the pillar of light. Remember the light of God? Well, the pillar of light God provided for these million people in the wilderness. The pillar of light was there to lead them, guide them, protect them. He guided them to safe refuges, safe places to be away from the enemy, away from maybe dangerous animals who were there at that time. So the pillar of light was a light for them to guide and to follow. And they put their trust in that light. They followed the light and when the light let up, they would camp for the night. So the other miracle that he did, just as big of a miracle, which the people kind of took for granted after a while, he provided manna. Now manna was kind of like a uh, chewy bread. And the people would wake up and they would find manna, little, little pieces of manna, little loaves of manna, all amongst the dew, amongst the grass, and they would pick up the manna, and the manna tasted really good. It was kind of like chewy bread. And interestingly, God told them, you can only take enough for today. Some would try and hoard and put some in a clay pot, and it would spoil, it would spoil. So the, the meaning of this was really, God is all-sufficient. You must put your trust and faith in God, and He will provide. He'll give you what you need for today. And that's how it is today. We have to put our trust and faith in God. We can't worry about what's happening outside in the world. We can't worry about two weeks from now, two years from now. A lot of people get caught up in worry, what will happen in two years, what will happen? Well, when we're in Christ, He is all sufficient. Doesn't mean there won't be hardships, but He will give us away. Um, and the manna, the manna, the, the bread that came down, it was kind of a foreshadowing or kind of a look to the future that would be Jesus Christ because He would be all sufficient for us. So it's kind of a it's symbolic. And the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament, if you spend time reading the Old Testament, most of the Old Testament is going to point to the Messiah or the Savior who will come hundreds of years later. So we believe that Jesus was saying that manna was meant to be a model of the Messiah. Whoever partakes of him, Jesus, will never again know spiritual hunger. So think about that. No one else can receive him for us. We can't get it from a friend, from a parent, from a spouse. No, we must go directly for him. He will call us and he will give it to us, which we'll get to. We'll get an amount sufficient for our salvation, just enough for us to lose our hard heart and to get a new heart and to come to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So he gives us just enough. He protects his own. A couple other notes. Regarding thirst, remember how Jesus told the woman at the well that the water he offered would be her thirst forever. So it points again to whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Welling up. It's like that well. It, it never, never, never empties. It keeps bringing more, more bubbling water. The best water you've ever had. And it quenches us. It gives us that taste that, oh, it's the best. And that would be Jesus Christ. When we are born again as we are believers, we look back to our old lives and we'll say, gosh, it was kind of a waste. A lot of waste. I know I had years of waste. We're a waste today. But when we come to Christ the new living water it's just it's eternal it goes forever so let's read into John chapter 6 verse 20 let's take an inside peek at Jesus Christ let's let's look at him he says this is words to the people he's going to talk to these people Jesus answered them and said truly truly I say to you you seek me not because you saw signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, a pastor that I once was under years ago, the famous pastor, John Piper, preached this, and I'll never forget. He said, he said, Jesus is telling the people, he says, I didn't come to bring the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread of life. No, I'm not bringing it from somewhere else. I am. You've got to come right to me. Okay? Verse 27 says, Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. So, don't run around looking for these do-good things. There's a lot of what's called social justice, which is great to help people out, but that shouldn't be the ends to all means. We help people, when we help people, we give to people, we feed the poor. We want to feed them with the gospel first. So if you go out there and do any type of charity work, it should be in the name of God and Jesus Christ. That should be your priority. A lot of people say, oh, we did this, we fed this and fed the kids." Did you share the gospel? Well, no, it was kind of, well, that's your primary thing. So don't spin around, waste your time doing that, okay? He says, he says, For on him the Father God has set his scissors. God has chosen Jesus, His Son of God. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? What do we have to do? Do we have to work to see God? And Jesus said to him, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent." Okay? The work is to believe in him whom he has sent see they're used to the culture at that time the Jewish culture and to this day and to a lot of people it's a works based culture works based religion you have to do this you have to do that Catholicism you have to be baptized as I was a, a, a Catholic one time you have to be baptized Okay, you have to be, be confirmed you have to go to your confession and then Even if you do a sin, you've got to work that off and do penance to work that off. Work that off. So he's saying, and back then, the Jewish people, you had to work and do things for the needy, for the poor, and that would get you a higher standing with God. But he says, no, no, no. The works of God is that you believe in him, Jesus Christ. It's not about all this stuff. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 2, 7 8, it'll say, it's by grace we've been saved, by grace, by God's gift we've been saved, not by works. Not by works, so that no man may boast. See, when we work for our salvation, we like to take credit. Like we're working our way up that ladder, working that way up that hill. No. The Gospel's kinda tipped over. Sometimes the the weakest, sometimes the least of these are the ones that receive salvation people go well I don't understand how come all these rich wealthy because they all trust themselves and their own pride that's a whole other message so they said to them what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you what work do you perform hey these people had just seen the most immediate incredible feeding of 25-30 thousand people out of 5 loaves of bread 2 fish and that was given by a young young boy who had faith. So they want another sign? And he's already healed all these people? So these people are they're kind of hypocritical. They want more and they say they're, they're, they're believers, but they're not. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it's written. He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So they're saying, hey, the Father gave our ancestors bread every day for 40 years supplied what we need for they supplied our nutrition and they're going well we want this bread we want this easy bread so i don't have to go fix thick bread no they're, they're way out jesus said to them listen to this anytime in your bible it says truly truly jesus first of all doesn't lie but when he says truly truly he means what he says and he says what he means. He's going to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gives you the bread out of heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the bread out of heaven. So they thought maybe Moses had this power to bring down the bread. No, it's the Father. And I, I, am, and I am God. Okay? I can do that. I can bring life. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Okay, For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven. So they're kind of confused here. They don't quite understand that Jesus... They don't accept that Jesus is God. He's come down from heaven. And he gives life to the world. Eternal life. Okay. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. We want this bread. Okay, They just kind of demand it. We, we want it. It's not about God calling them and repenting and turning to Him in repentance and giving up your old life. No, they want it right now. Kind of like an Uber delivery. Bring this meal in right now. Okay? They're still not getting this. He says to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes me will never thirst. Wow. I saw this first years ago. I'm not sure when I was born again. I know it was between the chapters 6 and 8 of John. But these words, that you will not hunger. He's all that you need. It, they're profound words. They really are. We won't go anywhere else. And that's the amazing thing. I, I have not been blessed enough to go out on missions to third world countries. But my wife's been to several countries like Sri Lanka, Trinidad, and she'll say, the people there, they're so poor, they, they'll just love to get a little Bible, piece of the Bible, book of the Bible. They just, to have something to eat, to have a toothbrush. That's a big thing. So, they seem like when they see the Bible, hear the message, this message. Man, everything else is not important. So, he says, whoever comes to me will not hunger. They will not be running all around. I know a lot of people still at the age of 60, they're still looking for this secret way. This secret way to become a better person. A secret way to hopefully to come to God. Okay, But we know that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through Him, Jesus. So we know that. But many people... They're still out there hungry. Yeah, they're looking all over. They try something for a year or two. They might try cult or religion or some followers, some man-based type thing where they do all these good things. He said to them, he said, but I said to you that you've seen me. You've seen me. And yet you still don't believe. You've seen the Son of God. You saw the miracles. You know, the the woman who was bleeding for years, just by the touch of his of his jacket, she was healed. The dead child that rose up again. They'd heard the stories. You know, if there's 30,000, 30,000 people come and follow him, I bet there's got to have be been at least a couple hundred miracles there for them all to come. Because they want to heal. They want to be healed. They want to have these things. So... He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Wow. All the Father gives me. All the Father, the Father calls us, He calls us, and we are to respond to that call. The one who comes to me, He says, I will certainly not cast out. Now those, my friend, are really, really comforting words. I will never cast out. What's that mean? Once you're saved, once you're truly born again, a new creation, you're regenerated, the Holy Spirit within you, you can't lose your salvation. If you weren't truly born again, yeah, you could, you could wander away. But he's saying, whoever comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I've come down from heaven to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. That's the purpose. Remember Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, he says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Seek and save the lost. When he comes again, he will come to judge. He'll judge the living and the dead. And the sinners and the non-sinners. Those who are covered by Christ. He says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him, the Father who sent me. And then he, he goes deeper into this. He gets in and he takes it down to a deeper level. And the Holy Spirit will be working on some of these folks here. We don't know who. He says, this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me. Talk about me. That of all that he's given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. It's a second time. It says, all that's been given to me, I won't lose. Wow. That means... Even though we're Christians, even though we're saved, does that mean we're perfect? No, unfortunately not. We still have the remnants of sin in our heart and soul. And unfortunately, we still do things. We lie, we we lust, we judge, we gossip. And he's saying, I will not lose you. Like a good shepherd, that's another, another, I'm the good shepherd. A good shepherd, a good shepherd does not lose his sheep. He doesn't. And he's telling us right now. So this should be comforting. Even though you're in jail, maybe you're in here for a year or two, whatever, he says, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. He will raise you up and be resurrected on the last day. Wow. You'll have eternal life. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Wow. Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself with will raise him up on the last day. So the last day, he'll come back. He'll raise you up with a new body. You have a new earth. So we're going to touch on a couple other points I want to note before that are just incredible. There's so much in this message. Um, a couple of things. This really defines that He is God. Because His relationship with the Father is one. So some people, some religions don't believe He is God, but He is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? Also, He says God must come down from heaven to save us. He comes down. That's Jesus. Okay? It's the Father's will. That's pretty awesome to send the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, new heart. And it comes from the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, seeing it in a video, seeing it in a movie. And I think it really bears repeating. In John six fifty, which is a little bit further down, it says, But, but, but this is the bread which comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die whoa i think there's 12 words in that sentence and so one may eat of it and not die so how can how can you turn that down okay remember jesus had to become a man to suffer the curse of the law Remember, the first adam sin the second adam jesus christ he didn't sin he lived a perfect life of obedience and sacrifice and died on the cross that's what it's all about the cross he is salvation to your soul he sustains us so that's why you see these folks in these poor countries Nigeria you see Polynesia Indonesia they're happy they're happy because they have Jesus Christ they go to church they're poor their shoes are worn out Christ sustains them they have faith that there's going to be a better life in years to come. So we should really take, take heed from that. Um, he, look at these verses, He will give you satisfaction from the moment you believe. From the moment you believe, you eternal life. I try to think about that. So, if you hear this word and you repent and believe and accept Christ, just think, you're in jail maybe, you got two or three more years, but you've got eternal life. And that goes on and on and on forever. I mean, I can't even, I can't think about more than a couple hundred years, but eternal life. So, question, have you been born again? Okay, new life, have you? Jesus is calling you to come to him. He invites us to put our faith in Him. He invites us to go through, not the wide gate, but the narrow gate, right? The wide gate is the world. It's the sinners in the world. Live that life, watch those raunchy TV shows, gambling, casinos, strip clubs, all kinds of them. It doesn't have to be that bad. It can be just drinking or whatever. Keeping things from, from loved ones. He invites us, and I love this verse. It says, faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. Faith is being assured of things we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. So faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you can't see. We can't see Christ. We can't see heaven, okay? So commit to Him. Repent. Repent. And turn to Jesus. Leave the world. Come to Jesus. By repentance, it doesn't mean just kind of, oh, okay, I'm sorry, Lord. You guys sorry, Jesus. No, it's stop doing what you're doing. Stop that lifestyle. Turn to Him. Put your faith in Him. Beg for Him to give you a new life. Beg for Him to take your sins. Thank Him for taking your sins on the cross. So think about this. When we have the satisfaction in Jesus Christ alone, that satisfaction, it's like the best, the best meal, okay? The best Christmas. The best day. The best sunset last night. But it goes on forever. And you'll never hunger or thirst. Just think about it. Never have to worry about going to a store, grocery store, providing water. It's just a bit. You don't have to think you're taking on everything. Charles Spurgeon said take a bit. He says take one sip or bite. It satisfies us. It satisfies our life and heaven. Just taking one bit. Okay? So, you must come to him and believe. Believe in your heart. And The way you know you're a believer, well, I know there's a couple of things. Number one, you're not going to live the life you used to. You're not going to be cussing, uh, thinking about those things. You're not going to be putting people down. You look at things differently. You go, you know, I really don't like being around. Some of these movies today, they say they're PG, but they're raunchy. And you say, I can't watch that. I know my wife and I, we can't watch that. Okay? So you're going to bear fruit of a believer. You're going to want to read your Bibles. Not just on Sunday for an hour. But you're going to want to read your Bibles. And lastly, John three thirty six says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. So guys and gals folks, we just thank you for listening to this message. We pray Lord Heavenly Father, bring the Holy Spirit to these guys and gals Lord. Cause them to repent and believe in Lord. And have them be Trust in you as their bread of life, Lord, and the living water, Lord. In Jesus' my name, amen.